Welcome to The Bulb, a podcast shedding light on gendered violence. In each edition, we'll explore aspects of this violence. What is thought about it, what we know about it, or what is yet to be revealed. The Bulb is a podcast series brought to you by the Queensland Centre for Domestic and Family Violence Research. Thank you for joining us as we share knowledge to improve the lives of women and their children. In this episode of The Bulb, Dr Anne Butcher sheds a light on her role as Executive Director of Mackay Women's Services. Join us to hear Anne, our former colleague and friend of the Centre, describing her working life's journey, a journey bringing her to this leadership role. Anne shares practical advice for others who want to make a difference in the lives of families and inspires us to persist in our efforts to create safer communities for all. Anne, welcome to The Bulb. It's great to have you with us today. And we're so grateful that you're able to share some of your knowledge and experience with us. And in particular, you, you know, you've been at um, the Mackay Women's Service now for almost four years. And we'd like to know a little if you wouldn't mind sharing about what changes you've seen more broadly in the world of gendered violence and how responses have shaped up in not just your community, but beyond? Well, firstly, I'd like to say um, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of um, a bulb discussion. Um, and, um, and I can tell you that um, there's certainly been a lot that's happened in recent years in the, in the world of um, domestic and family violence, you know, gendered violence in particular. Um, and I just want to acknowledge before I do talk about some of those changes, um, you know, I think that those of us who are working in this field now really stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, all those women, particularly women, who have um, for 30, 40 plus years really done the hard yards um, to, to constantly take up the good fight in trying to um, do something about this, this issue, this social issue in societies, you know, around the world. Um, but now it seems um, the time is right. Now it seems we have the ear of the politicians and the commitment of government to actually uh, invest in this space and um, to change legislation and to really um, implement the state and Commonwealth government plans that have been developed around working towards um, eliminating domestic and family violence from you know from our society. So. Um, in Queensland, obviously, uh, what really, really provided the impetus, I think, for the um, significant changes that we're seeing now um, was Dan Quentin Bryce's led um, inquiry into um, domestic and family violence in Queensland and, and her report, not now, not every report, with the 140 recommendations. And, um, you know, all those 140 uh, recommendations have been implemented and that has brought with it... Um, increased investment by governments, um, the development of new new um, programs, for particularly um, men's perpetrator programs, behaviour change programs, which really did not exist um, at, at much at all previously, and we're seeing many more of those now in recent years. We've seen changes in legislation where we have um, now recognised the offence of strangulation um, and... Um, and that's a really positive thing because it wasn't really identified 
even in uh, you know the histories of women who'd experienced um, that form of abuse for many years, and now it's identified as a uh, as a as a criminal offence um, in its own right, which it sh which is rightly so. In the community, I've seen that um, a lot more specialist DV positions have been funded and have been located within um, not the non-traditional specialist DV services, but more the broader community services. So it's really um, ensuring that a range of community-based organisations now are looking at their practice when working with families um, with the aid of a DV specialist and looking at those situations through a DV lens. Um, so, you know, the change has been significant and the investment of, you know, many millions of dollars into the sector is was much needed and um, has really been very well received. Um, and it's wonderful to see a lot more peak bodies and um, organisations really starting to work together very collaboratively um, through through initiatives like as a peak of peaks, which is led by QCOS, and which which does consist of all the other peaks, including eVOLC and um, you know other networks that really are in there to ensure that that uh, voice and the the issues of domestic and family violence and gendered violence is is included in the discussions at that level and with governments. So um, I've talked a lot that we've also seen the funding of the high-risk teams, eight, eight funded high-risk teams in Queensland now. Um, we've really noticed that the because we do have one of those high-risk teams, funded high-risk teams in Mackay, um, and I do want to acknowledge there are a number of other high-risk teams or inter integrated service responses happening in other locations that are not specifically funded as high-risk teams but who are doing really great work as well. Um, but we have noticed that the complexity of the cases that are being considered at those high-risk teams has significantly increased um, and the severity of the, um, of the harms that women and children are experiencing has also um, really increased significantly as well. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, through a lot more media attention, um, those types of cases and in particular, you know, most horrifically um, in Brisbane this year in February with the Hannah Clark um, murder of herself and her three children. Um, those kinds of cases really bring to the fore um, community outrage, which is quite rightly so. Um, but with that comes some um, weight um, for politicians to and ministers of government to really um, look at what more can be done and what more can um, should should governments be doing to continue to work it to stamp out this um, you know this dreadful social um, you know problem that we do have so there's been a lot that's happened in the recent in recent years uh, from legislation from funding new programs from the media attention from um, the the increasing numbers of cases and I actually see the increasing numbers of cases as not necessarily a bad thing because it means I feel that um, more and more victims of domestic violence are feeling um, more able to speak up, more able to reach out for support and assistance and, um, than ever before. And I, I think that that's a very positive um, change from what was always considered to be a very taboo subject and not, not to be um, spoken of by uh, a, lot of, a lot of women in particular, a lot of people in society. 
So, um, yeah, so lots of, a lot has changed in recent years. It has indeed. I, I'm really kind of um, also acknowledged that you you recognised the shoulders of the giants on, on whom you've stood and that particularly resonated given that one of our earlier, um, well, we've actually got two earlier podcast um, bulb episodes that featured Pauline Woodbridge. So it's great to um, to hear that, I guess, if you listen to earlier episodes from the 1980s onwards where we are today. So that was a lovely snapshot, Anne. Thank you for that. And if you can now kind of, I think, you've you've kind of taken us to a point where against that kind of backdrop that you've described happening in our state and in your community, the increased service usage you've seen, your time at this particular service has seen lots of changes too. So could you share with the listener what actually brought you to Mackay Women's Services and your aspirations for the service when you commenced there? I think lots of our listeners would really love to hear what changes you've been able to affect in the four years that you've been there. Yeah, Colleen, I'm happy to happy to share those um, experiences. They've been um, wonderful, They're very challenging, but um, I think you know, very rewarding as well. So I uh, just to go back a little bit. My background is that uh, for many many years, around about 23 years, I worked in the state government in the department of um, you know communities, child safety, in those those departments, and. Um, uh, my last position in government was in the field of uh, disability services where I was the manager for the Mackay Disability Services Office in government. And with the advent of the National Disability Insurance Scheme uh, rolling out um, in, across Australia, um, the state government uh, disability service positions really were all being um, becoming, eventually becoming redundant. So that led me to look, for, um, look around for where else I might move to next. I, I did move for one year, as you would know, to the um, Queensland Centre for Domestic and Family Violence Research, where I worked as a senior research fellow for, for, a, for about a year. During that time, um, I was, you know, approached to see whether I might be interested in taking over the management of the uh, Domestic Violence Resource Service in Mackay. And, um, and I was very interested in that. So I've moved, I eventually moved into that role. Um, and where I work at the centre, the building that I actually work in um, also houses another smaller um, not-for-profit charitable service, which is called Mackay Women's Centre, which focuses on women's health and well-being um, and, and proactive work in, in, in enhancing women's health and, and their well-being. So um, both of the management committees at the time were working well, very well together and they they together asked me would I manage not just the domestic violence service but also Mackay Women's Centre, which I was very happy to agree to do. Um, so since that time, almost four years ago, um, the two um, the two services have um, pretty much sort of merged um, and have uh, rebranded under the name of Mackay Women's Services. So that's the outward-facing name for everything that happens where I work um, in, in this community of Mackay. So when I came into this position, it was um, at a time when both of the services, the Mackay Women's Centre and Domestic Violence Resource Service, were um, at the stage of needing to prepare to be ready for uh, accreditation under the Human Service Quality Framework. So there was a lot of work to be done to ensure that both organisations um, were compliant with all the standards of the HSQF. and. Um, so when I came in, there were there were vacancies, um, so it wasn't fully 
services weren't fully staffed. Um, there was um, a need for, the, the, I guess, the client systems that were in place were paper-based. And so I saw a need to move to a, uh, a client database and away from paper-based files. So um, there was a need in a number of areas to, to take on some very important pieces of work. But because, um, you know, I was just one person, I thought I can't do everything all at once. So I will focus on the priority areas. So for me, the priority areas came down to um, recruiting staff so that we were fully staffed and also therefore meeting our contractual arrangements with the department in terms of the outputs that we were funded to provide. It was to um, identify and um, initiate and implement uh, a client database for the services, both services. And the third thing uh, was to actually ensure that we really got ready now and got underway with the HSQF accreditation. So, you know, each of those pieces of work are big enough in themselves, um, but they were the three that I initially focused on. So, um, and then as they were implemented, I was able then to uh, focus on other areas as well, um, which which I've done. So, um, yeah, so we we've gone we've gone uh, we have complete client database now. Um, all paper files have, um, don't exist anymore. They've all been um, uploaded and um, scanned, and they're all electronic now on our records. We're fully compliant with HSQF requirements, which meant a lot of behind the scenes um, developments of policies, procedures, um, flowcharts, you know, all those sorts of things. So that's all in place now. Um, and we're fully, we're fully um, staffed. In fact, um, in the time over the four years I've been here, we've been really fortunate in that we've tended for additional <laughs> pieces of work. And we've been funded um, to deliver two men's programs, um, perpetrator programs. So one in the Isaac mining region to the southwest of Mackay um, in the Bowen Basin area. And then the other to the north of Mackay in the Whitsunday um, Regional uh, Council geographical area. So both those programs are operating. Plus we also got um, one the tender for the um, high risk team, so that was about establishing a whole new um, high risk team service in uh, in for Mackay, based out of our centre. So it's in working in collaboration with all of the key state government human service organisations to uh, who come together every week and consider the referrals that they've received um, for very high risk domestic violence cases. And what they do is they actually um, develop safety plans for each and every one of those cases to ensure that those women and children are, um, are kept as safe as possible and to ensure that um, perpetrators who are, are kept, held accountable for their actions. So, um, so there's a lot. There's a lot more staff here now because of the increased funding that we've received. Um, and so we now currently have a staff group of um, 31 people, having gone from 10 people um, almost four years ago to 31 people. Um, it's really grown quite significantly in that time and we've been able to really expand the breadth of the services that we provide. And um, that includes also the child and adolescent counselling services that we've been able to broaden out through community grants and community donations from council and community chest organisations 
so that we can now also count, provide counselling to children who've experienced um, sexual abuse, sexual harm, um, which our funding contract with the government doesn't allow for, but we can do that through the other income that we've been able to um, generate or access and provide a broader range of services. So um, yes, it's grown exponentially in the last, <laughs> in the last uh, yeah, almost four years. Um, the service, yeah. That's that's amazing, Anne. And it's it's interesting because you've you've kind of really described breaking down silos at, at a funding and, and service level, which is very. Uh, I'm sure listeners will really appreciate the practical nature of that. So, having stepped us down, I guess, from a statewide perspective, down to your service and all of the changes that you have implemented and the growth you've been able to oversee. Could you give us perhaps a case study of how these approaches and all of this work has impacted positively in responding to gendered violence in your community, please, Anne? Yes, I'm happy to. There's many examples, but I think one that really comes to mind is, um, so part of what we're actually funded to do is to lead the coordination of an integrated service response. And that is really um, working very cooperatively and collaboratively with um, a lot of other um, non-government and, and government agencies in this community to work in a way that really addresses gaps in service provision um, for victims of domestic violence in particular and ensures that we have the services that we need um, so that they can access them um, as needed. So there's a this group of, this collective of um, organisations that comes together um, from our centre that we actually lead the coordination of um, has become known as the Mackay Integrated Services Team, or MIST, which is the acronym for it. Um, the MIST is, is, is formalised from the point of view that it does have terms of reference and it does identify that the purpose of MIST is really to support the work of the high-risk team in keeping women and children safe. And, um, and so one of the common reoccurring issues that every month when we would meet would come up was the lack of refuge, crisis, accommodation and also um, affordable social housing for victims of domestic violence um, and their children. And so about a year ago, when yet again this came up as the key issue at that meeting, um, I did say to everyone, well, this is an issue. It's been an issue for a long time. We identify it every time we meet. Is it time now that we actually start to do something about this and everyone was in agreement yes we need to do something about it so we developed a, a plan of attack and we um, identified that we really needed to raise the issue with the local politicians the local members so um, Julianne Gilbert and George Christensen who are, are, who are our local state and federal members and uh, also to write to um, the relevant ministers so the Minister for Housing and the Minister for um, Child Safety Youth and Women and um, raise this issue as a as a long-standing issue of concern for those who work with women um, in this sector in Mackay. Uh, we we then also contacted the media and we had a um, a rolling campaign of um, radio interviews um, comprised of panel members, missed members who took it in turns to um, go onto the radio interview panel and uh, talk about this issue from their agency's perspective. Um, and we also continued to um, 
raise follow do follow up contacts with the local politicians and I guess we just you know we were the squeaky wheel we we didn't go away and um we we didn't let up although um you know we did that in a way that was really I think very you know respectful of the fact that everyone's trying to do the best they can but we just needed those people in the positions of power to know that this was a significant issue in our community and it, it wasn't going away so um, that campaign was kind of maintained for about 12 months and at the end of it, um, what, what happened, we actually got some really great outcomes. So the um, Minister for Department of Housing um, made um, funding available to um, local a local housing organisation to source uh, 20 um, houses through the private rental market that, that was subsidised and made available specifically for victims of domestic and family violence and their children. So the MIST group formed a subgroup and um, we worked very closely with the Department of Housing. And so whenever one of those houses becomes available, um, we get notified and we, uh, between the, our four um, agencies that are involved, we will prioritise the next um, highest priority woman for that property and we, we agree on who that is and it could be from any one of our agencies. And we've been able to accommodate, you know, house 20 more women than would have happened otherwise. Also, I know that Samaritan House, you know, got additional funding to double the amount of crisis and refuge spaces they had available. Um, CASA, another organisation involved, uh, was given a, a large amount of money to be able to be used as uh, brokerage funding to provide emergency um, accommodation in motels for victims of domestic violence. So. Um, we feel we really had some great outcomes. I know that Department of Housing also allocated uh, additional funding to construct some new social housing in properties in Mackay as well. So I think there was about um, 20 altogether that were another 20 that were identified as to be constructed here. So we we really feel that um, our lobbying and uh, the, I guess our our tenacity and our determination to not give up did pay off in the long run for um, for those women and children who needed that accommodation in Mackay. So I think for me that's a really good um, case study or case example of how we work together really well to get some great outcomes for women and children in this community. Absolutely and that was a great case study and I, I just kind of made the notes of persistence, coordination and respect as being integral to the way you went about that. So You've done great things in these last, well, across your whole working life, but in particular in this phase of your working life, it's been a highly, highly productive time and productive to the, to the benefit of families in our community. But we hear you're moving on from this role. So with that in mind, how would you like your legacy to be described? Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> I suppose I can talk about what I've learned and um, what I found really helpful in coming into this role. So, as I said, I'd been in government for 23 years and I'd worked in those areas of, um, you know, procurement and invest government investment. And I had an understanding of what government is looking for when they do invest in um, in non-government organisations and what and uh, kind of what they're looking for. So I came into this role and um, I do have an understanding that it's important to have a, um, a business model approach to the management of 
these services. Now, I know that that's not historically been a very popular um, perspective to have, but I think it's something that has really um, helped me significantly in being able to develop the services here to the level that they're at at the moment. So um, in doing that, I recognise that, you know, government contracts are, are great and it enables you to be funded to provide certain services, but you are committed to providing the services that are described within that contract and not nothing outside of that. So I recognise that if we were going to try and have a broader reach in this community, really needed to create some alternative income streams for ourselves. So we did do that through um, developing programs, uh, group work programs for women and for children. We um, did get a small one-off grant from the Department of uh, Child Safety, Youth and Women to initiate that piece of work. Um, we also, we had it evaluated by, by your research centre. Um, so there was pre and post evaluations done um, of those groups, which provided us with an evidence-based uh, group work program for children and, and also for women. And we've been able to, I guess, um, we've been fortunate again to be sponsored by um, uh, a local company here who's enabled us to turn those resources into marketable products. And so we have now been selling those products which enables us to bring more money into our services to be able to, um, you know, expand the breadth of what we do. So, um, so that, that's one way we've been able to, you know, provide child sexual abuse counselling for children that we're not actually funded by the government to do that. We also have received large grants from Macquarie Regional Council, um, you know, in, through, my, through networking and through partnerships and raising social issues with key um, key organisations, key individuals, like, for example, at the Mayor's DV Task Force, you know, talking there about what the issues are and raising that awareness within the community. The community then has responded by, um, by donating to our service to enable us to do these additional pieces of work. Um, so I think, you know, and also raising the profile of what we do here so that more and more women in this community know what services are available for them because when I started here I recognised that the majority of um, women who were accessing our services were Caucasian women and I know you know in the community there's many other you know um, Indigenous and um, ethnic you know cultural groups of women um, who I'm sure would also benefit from the use of some of our of the accessing some of our supports and services but they were not you know, apparent in the client groups that we were seeing. So we've really put a lot of work in to build our relationships with both um, culturally and linguistically diverse groups of women. And now we have um, a called women's group that runs every week here and also with Indigenous women. So through, um, through different Indigenous organisations and key individuals and elders in the community, we do now have an Indigenous women's group set up and running weekly here as well. Um, so, you know, in terms of my legacy, I suppose, coming back to your question, Colleen, I think my legacy, I hope that others may look and realise that um, to grow and expand and provide more services to improve quality of life for those groups of people that we're here to do the work for 
um, enables us to be very, we need to be very innovative, we need to think outside the square, we need to not rely solely on the funding from governments, but to actively seek out uh, strategic partnerships with business, um, with industry, um, you know, to seek sponsorships. And there's there's such a lot available. Um, and to write submissions and grant applications to do other initiatives and other pieces of work. Um, so, you know, so for example, then what I've found is that some of the businesses, once they start to hear about this, they start to approach us. So we have had approaches from um, business organisations saying we would like to invite you to apply for funding. Um, so I've, I've that old saying that's come back to me is like nothing um, succeeds like success is that um, when you know your service is recognised as a valued service in the community, um, others want to become involved and they want to contribute and they want to do their bit. So we have some of the large mining companies now who every month amongst their employees, they hand in their, um, their bonuses every, um, every month and they those bonuses get used to purchase women's um, hygiene products and baby products and so we keep them here and we hand them out to women who need them and there's just numerous ways that people want to raise funds or contribute to us we have a man who recently decided he was going to shave his beard off and he he took it upon himself to um, to do that and raise funds for us and he arrived with a check for over five thousand dollars just to give to us so we could keep doing the work that we do and I've got numerous examples of individuals in this community doing very similar things. So I think when people see that you're reaching out and providing services, um, and I think it's important to use multimedia, to use social media, to really highlight, you know, what you're doing. Let the community know what, what you're doing. Um, then they often will want to get involved, you know, and that's what we've certainly found that to be the case here. Um, so yeah, I think that I've said a lot. I've said a lot in answering that question, but um, hopefully I have answered it. <laughs> you have, you have, and so again in my notes, you know, the kind of ideas that are coming to me listening to your legacy are, you know, you've been a, I guess, a catalyst or a catalyzer in for many initiatives in the community, and your your creativity and energy are really shining through and have shone through. So that's created great innovations which ultimately have made a difference in the lives of women so that's that's wonderful Anne so that sort of sets the scene now for looking ahead having done all of that what advice would you give to someone who's coming into a leadership role now in the gendered violence response world um, well I think there's the um, you know in a leadership role obviously it's about ensuring that you you do bring people on the journey, that you have a vision for where, you, where you're leading people to, you know, and that you share that vision and that, that, that your um, staff also have, you know, share that vision and so that it becomes everyone wants to get to that end destination. So it's very much, um, it's very much about bringing people on the journey. I think then there's the administration side of, of that, which means keeping up with the latest requirements, legislation, um, accreditation standards that change um, and just keeping up with um, and, and having keeping up with all of those, you know, changes that are happening all the time. It's just part of normal evolution. Having some key staff, I think, on board to help. So when I started, I said it was just, just me and it, 
it was, but I knew I couldn't do this, you know, myself. You need to have a team of wonderful people, which is what we do have here, a team of fantastic staff. But to bring on people who've got expertise in particular areas. So it created, you know, a business administration, a business administrator's role, someone who could really focus on the business um, in conjunction with myself. Um, someone as we grew and as we got additional funding and as we became more and more complex as as organisations, we um, we've now needed to employ an accountant, uh, an in-house accountant, whereas previously we um, we used an external uh, bookkeeping service to to do our our financials. Um, so I think just you know keeping abreast with the changes and ensuring that you have people with the right skills, you know, doing the right job, um, and uh, leading, uh, working collaboratively, and you know, listening to listening to the expertise of those around you because no one has you know all the information, and when um, people put their heads together, you know, wonderful things can happen. And that's what I've certainly found here, yeah. And it's been great talking with you today on The Bulb. You've been an inspiration, I'm sure, to those with whom you work. And, and we loved working with you in the time that you were with us. And I'm sure our listeners have been inspired today and energised by listening to what you've had to say. So as we end our chat, I wonder what is it that gives you hope for a better future for women and their children and families more broadly? What gives me hope is that there are um, so many uh, committed people working in this in these fields, um, domestic violence or women's centres. Uh, there's so many very skillful, knowledgeable, determined people working in these fields that um, there will always be a, a really large cohort of people who are advocating for change, for improvement of quality of life for women and children in particular. And, and, um, and, and for communities. So um, I think that really gives me hope for the future. Um, and I think, you know, if we think back now, where we are now to say 20 years ago, um, we've come such a long way, um, that which is wonderful, but we know there is still more work to be done. And I, I'm really heartened by so many of the young workers that I see coming through who are just absolutely wonderful people, uh, committed, compassionate, um, intelligent, skillful. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate to say that there's, you know, many, many, many of those on my staff group as well here. So I think we're in a good place to, to move forward um, and to keep this work, you know, keep on working in this space to, to do our utmost to um, change attitudes and, uh, to, and develop respectful relationships and constantly work towards equality for women in all spheres of life um, because those are the things that fundamentally are going to eventually bring about that attitudinal change towards women, um, which is what's needed before we're really going to get to um, a world that's, well, as particularly our communities that are, you know, safer for women and children. And thanks for your time today. And lovely to finish off with an acknowledgement of the next generation and the future and I guess your recognition that you maybe are seeing some shoulders of future giants even around you. So thank you so much Anne for joining us on The Bulb. Oh, thank you Colleen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in our last edition of The Bulb for 2020. We hope you've enjoyed listening 
to the diverse voices shared in this first season of our podcast. Please join us in 2021 as we shed more light on gendered violence to improve the lives of women and their children. Thank you.